currently we're looking at a very interesting subject matter which seems to be developing over time and this is uh, the Zimbabwean Commission of Inquiry and uh, this was uh, an inquiry which was led by former president of South Africa Halima Mutlante which was actually looking into the killing of six people in Harare during Zimbabwe's elections in August and uh, very recently we heard on the news Zimbabwean president uh, spokesperson uh, George Charamba stating that the Zimbabwean president Emerson Nangagwa does not have to release the report that comes from the commission and what was interesting is that uh, uh, it was also highlighted that it's the obligation of uh, uh, or the imperative of the uh, president himself to actually decide whether he will release the report or not but even before this particular statement from the spokesperson we've heard uh, some criticism coming from NGOs in Zimbabwe stating the fact that uh, uh, the way the evidence was handled in this commission was not transparent well to help us on this particular issue and to outline the process of this commission in Zimbabwe we joined on the line by Diwa Mavinga research at Human Rights Watch and Dr Webster Zambaria senior project leader for peace building initiatives at the Institute for Justice and reconciliation. Divo, let me start this conversation with you in terms of uh, the process of the commission and how it was undertaken. Are you happy with how the uh, process unfolded? We had submitted, you know, uh, uh, evidence through the Zimbabwe Human Rights NGO Forum and the Zimbabwe Association of Doctors for Human Rights. But these victims were not called forward uh, to testify, their testimony was ignored uh, while the commission focused on political leadership. Number two, uh, the commission did not sufficiently address the question of how they were going about their business of calling forward witnesses. It was not clear who was eligible to testify or not. Number three, there was no indication about the security of the victims and uh, people who testified. So, for example, we received reports of people who then received threats following their testimony uh, before the commission, and it was unclear what power the commission had uh, to protect the witnesses. Uh, and finally, uh, despite commitment and indications that, you know, uh, from the president of Zimbabwe that the results the report from the commission would be made public. It has not been made public. And now, as we have correctly said, we are receiving reports from people like George Charama in government that the commission's report is for the eyes of the president only, which is quite strange given that the hearings were in public and this was a public hearing process. And now we understand that the report will not be made public. Uh, This is quite really uh, a a way of undermining the spirit of openness and transparency. Mm. Uh, Dr. Zambaro, let me bring you into this discussion. What are your thoughts around the processes of this particular commission? Thanks, Benjamin. Thanks for having me and uh, good morning to your listeners. I I agree to with most of the things that uh, my colleague, uh, uh, my brother, Dewa, has raised. But I want to say 
this commission of inquiry has become an extension of the of the 2018 election season in Zimbabwe, which started in the ballot and went into the courts, and now it's playing out in the commission. And I would say, if not concluded well, it may mark, unfortunately, it may mark the beginning of the 2023 election season as well. And um, due to the polarization politics in our country, it has become inescapable that the commission is now a new arena of political battles. And uh, I would guess only when, when we read the, the report and the, 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 their recommendations will, will we be able to weave backwards in terms of um, where they've been glaring misses and, and the like. And um, at the center of uh, everything that is happening, it's, uh, it's because of a huge trust deficit in the body politic of Zimbabwean governance architecture, which uh, unfortunately this commission, uh, will, uh, its report may help us find ourselves, but it has never been its role that it will be the, the, the one institution that would get ourselves right. Mm. That would be, yeah. Very interesting viewpoints coming from Dr. Zambara Diwa because that's isn't the that's the issue, isn't it? The intention of this particular commission, uh, it's been limited to look at at least the six people who died in uh, uh, the the elections in Harare in August this year. And we know that is an issue that became almost uh, uh, peripheral to some extent when the entire uh, commission was uh, uh, politicized due to the fact of what you're highlighting, that uh, it was uh, dominated by the voices of um, uh, politicians. Well, yes, and, and I quite agree with, um, with Dr. Zambara. Uh, but, but, but of course, um, what needs to be underlined is that in terms of process, it was a matter of public record who the victims were. And of course, we have issue with the terms of reference of the Commission of Inquiry because instead of focusing on the killings on the 1st of August, the, the violence and who ordered the soldiers onto the streets, uh, would then shot the people. The framing of the terms of reference was to focus on the demonstrations or mm. the protests, sure. how they were organized, and who was behind organizing the protests. And therefore, uh, the key question, the elephant in the room, was not confronted, which was basically who ordered uniformed and armed soldiers onto the streets of Harare? What was the reason? Who gave the order to shoot using live ammunition? It is strange, uh, really, that in an inquiry of that magnitude, there was no soldier who was brought forward to testify who did the shooting, despite international media having video evidence, uh, pictorial evidence of uniformed soldiers shooting at an armed civilian. So it became, you know, an arena of hearsay and political banter and not of facts of what transpired. And this is the challenge. But of course, uh, as Dr. Zambara has intimated, it would have been good 
for the public, for you and I, to be able to see the report and make informed you know, judgment. But we understand now from a spokesperson in government, George Charamba, that the report may not at all be made public. So how are we to make an informed decision if we are not going as the public to know what came out of this inquiry? And most important of all, this inquiry was a key pillar, the litmus test of the commitment by this government to openness and transparency. So the international community uh, that has been waiting in the wings to engage Zimbabwe was also looking at this commission of inquiry to say what is going to come out of it. And now if it is you know, kept under wraps and it appears things are being swept under the carpet, it means that we may not have the solution that we hoped to have, which is bringing closure and justice for the victims. It might, in fact, be uh, a political process, an attempt to sanitize, which might fail particularly, because everyone is watching, and people know what happened. That's the voice there of Diwa Mavinga, researcher at Human Rights Watch, alongside him speaking to us in this debate today. We've got Dr. Webster Zambara, senior project leader for peace building initiatives at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. Well, we're speaking today on uh, the uh, Zimbabwe uh, Commission of Inquiry into the killings of six people in Harare on uh, the 1st of August. Uh, we know that there's a lot that has come out after the conclusion of uh, this inquiry and what has been worrying is what has been highlighted by Diwa there when we heard reports coming out of uh, the presidential spokesperson George Charamba stating the fact that uh, uh, President uh, Emerson Nangagwa is not obliged to release the report from the inquiry into the killings of these six people and uh, what was also interesting maybe we can touch on that with Dr. Zambara is uh, the uh, uh, testimony and also the inquiry into uh, who actually ordered uh, security forces to deal with those particular protests. Why did they come out in that large number? And also we saw a real type of intimidation approach in that particular on that particular day. Uh, we'll uh, pose that question back to Dr. Zambara after this quick break. <laughs> This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunya Nzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us. So remember, if you still want to be part of the Channel Africa family, remember you can join us on our various platforms on our social media. At Channel Africa 1 is our Twitter handle, or you can go to our Facebook page simply titled Channel Africa. Right now, you're with me, Benjamin Mushata Maraicho on African Dialogue. If you're joining us for the first time, this is a program where we contextualize the big subject matters on the African 
African continent. Well, today we're looking at Zimbabwe, a very important commission, really trying to actually look into uh, the violence that took place on August 1 surrounding the elections in the country. That day, uh, there was at least six people who were killed in Harare. Now, the questions that are coming out after this particular inquiry, especially around the transparency of this uh, report that has come out, we don't even know because um, uh, the inquiry commission came out and saying that they actually don't actually uh, agree with uh, the media reports to the fact that they've actually uh, submitted an executive summary of the report uh, to the president of Zimbabwe. Uh, the commission chaired by former South African president Mr. Khalema Mutlante has already confirmed that they have submitted uh, the inquiry but uh, what is really a big issue here it's the fact that why isn't this particular report and its summary made public and uh, uh, it's a contradiction to the fact that uh, this particular commission was actually publicized on tv it was broadcast live uh, to uh, the zimbabwe uh, residents and citizens uh, dr webster zambara before we went to the break diwa mavinga highlighted something very interesting the fact that we didn't see any questioning of uh, the security forces in the country yeah i, I, I think it comes back to what uh, uh, they were also i think nailed very well on the issue of the terms of reference the terms of reference were not uh, victim standards so we didn't. We, we, we there's a huge gap in terms of the 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 purpose of the commission itself, uh, given the glaring situation where the army shot people in, in broad daylight. But uh, there uh, there are other issues around these uh, these terms of reference and uh, the timing of. Uh, of everything considering that right now we still have two weeks the, the, the commission is up to the 19th of december to conclude its work and uh, we, we we i would I, I wouldn't want to be too speculative so before i read and with these commissions there are three things i think that i need to to to, to emphasize so one is the process which is uh, what we are discussing now the second, which is very key at the moment, is what are the findings and recommendations of this commission, which I think will lead to the third most important thing is what will the authorities do to such recommendations? And that has the potential to even change the way we do politics in Zimbabwe. So we wait in anticipation, uh, but as long as uh, the, the report is has not been publicized. We will be dealing with uh, speculations and uh, theorizing on what should be and what would be. But back to to to, to the issue of um, the, the, the 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 reality on the ground. It, the, the events on the first of August reflected what probably was under the the the, 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 the surface where the democratic space has shrunk in Zimbabwe, and uh, besides the overtures of an improvement that were paraded towards the um, elections and um, around the election time, with a slight broadening of uh, the electoral space and the like. I think uh, after this commission, we need to get deeper as to how things we we should change broadly. 
And then we come to the issue of the people who testified. It's actually, uh, I would agree with Dewade that at least some of the perpetrators, direct perpetrators, not just the leadership, should have been um, brought in to testify. In terms of the witnesses, uh, I recall uh, the, the husband of the, the, the lady that was, uh, one of the ladies that was shot mm. uh, testified, mm. and uh, a few witnesses testified. I'm not very sure if all the witnesses were going to be given a chance to testify because usually uh, commissions like this would only um, identify people and gather information Mm. that would become representative of the broader broader uh, specific uh, criteria of people that they would want to, to, to get information from. And I read uh, my colleagues in the civil society who wanted to testify as well uh, as witnesses, but mm. I understand they submitted uh, dossiers to the commission, and one of the spokespersons of the commission has said that the report has taken account of what was forwarded by the civil society. So the, the waiting period is becoming longer by each hour because we now want to see what has been kept on. Very interesting in terms of that capturing. There are more questions around that, uh, uh, Diwa, uh, because um, there was conversations happening around, especially with NGOs, and I think the NGO forum brought this forward. I don't know to what extent it was actually looking at which types of evidence, but the Commission of Inquiry into the this violence uh, said that it had captured 90% of evidence particularly a post-mortem reports provided by human rights groups um, the commission secretary Virginia Mabiza uh, told Newsday which is a, a publication in Zimbabwe that contrary to public fears that the inquiry team had ignored submissions from the 22 human rights organizations represented by the Zimbabwe human rights NGO forum so there are a lot of questions around that particular issue. But another point that uh, uh, Dr. Zambara was highlighting, which I would like to elaborate on, is uh, the police investigation uh, around the killings themselves seem to have been omitted. And now we're focusing on this uh, post-mortem report. Uh, y- yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, and I think, uh, to be fair to the Zimbabwe uh, Human Rights NGO Forum, uh, their main bone of contention is that they compiled information from victims who were shot on the day, who were shot in the shoulder, in the legs, uh, in the feet, and have wounds that they sustained. And none of them was asked to testify despite the forum and its lawyers saying they are willing and available to testify. And space to testify was given to people who had loony testimonies, you know, people claiming to be spirit mediums, talking about, you know, the foundation of Zimbabwe in the 1890s. And yet, people who were shot and survived were willing and available to say what they saw and what happened to them. Uh, This is the biggest shortcoming that was there. Whether or not written testimony or medical affidavits were accepted is something else. But we had the people themselves, the victims, so they had a right to speak and say 
what happened to them. And number two, in terms of the police investigation, there, there was really not much that came out because surely where there has been shootings at that scale that left at least six people dead and you have, do not have a single suspect arrested and there is not a single uniformed soldier mm-hmm. that has been arrested despite all that evidence. So it, it shows you clearly, and I concur with Dr. Zambara, that it's, it became a highly politicized process in a, an extremely polarized environment where evidence and truth became buried beneath, uh, you know, masses of propaganda. Mm. You know, there were times even for the state media, the Zimbabwe Broadcasting Corporation, which was supposed to broadcast the, the issues live, that they would simply pull the plug on the broadcast because of the content of some of the testimonies. But yet, really, I think they should have given priority to direct victims ahead of people who were presenting hearsay evidence. Okay, I want to stay with you, Diwa, because I want you to touch on a point that uh, Dr. Zambara spoke about uh, earlier on, and I, I wanted to bring it forward to you, and I think this is a good time, in terms of when Dr. Zambara was speaking around the a trust deficit that uh, the ZANU-PF as a party and as a leading uh, party in governments right now, um, the trust deficit leans on this particular inquiry to a certain extent because of the fact that uh, um, those killings actually created a lot of uh, a resurgence of that suspicion towards uh, ZANU-PF, noting its uh, very contentious history. Um, what are your thoughts around that trust deficit that leans on this inquiry? I think the trust deficit is huge and it's a central issue. It uh, it goes, as uh, Dr. Zambara correctly said, look, the history of violence in Zimbabwe has been that of state-sponsored uh, violence over the years, since the early 1980s with the Kukurawut massacres, number one. So the state has been complicit. The state agents have been key players in violence. If you look at the abductions of leading activists like Justina Mukoko in 2008 and the subsequent torture, the state was complicit. Uh, if you look at you know, electoral violence in 2008 that left over 200 MPC supporters dead, again, the state and the military were part and part of that. So this is where the deficit of trust stems from. Previously, over the years, a number of commissions of inquiries have been you know, constituted by the, the former President Robert Mugabe, including into the violence of Kukura Wundi, the Chihambakwe Commission of Inquiry, whose results were never made public, whose recommendations were never uh, implemented despite the report partly being leaked. So this is nothing new. And the people of Zimbabwe have gone through these things. And this is why there was this huge concern to say, President Nangagwa is saying this is a new dispensation. And therefore, the commission of inquiry led by uh, President Moslande should be a litmus test to show that Zimbabwe has turned over a new leaf and to restore trust 
and the public confidence domestically within Zimbabwe, within the people of Zimbabwe, and internationally especially, because international investors and donors are looking to Zimbabwe to say, let us see if there is genuine commitment to the rule of law, to justice and accountability, and the steps by President Mnangagwa to put in place this commission of inquiry had been viewed as a positive thing. But the manner in which it has been done has left a bit of disappointment. And in fact, as a result, the way in which this commission of inquiry is concluded, especially whether or not the report will be made public and whether or not recommendations will be implemented, uh, will contribute either to a resolution of the trust deficit or to a worsening of the trust deficit in Zimbabwe and by the people of Zimbabwe and also the international community. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, we'll wrap up this conversation with our guests. If you're just joining us now, that's the voice of Diwa Mavinga, Research at Human Rights Watch. Alongside him in this discussion is Dr. Webster Zambara, Senior Project Leader at uh, the uh, Peace Building Initiatives Department at the, at the Institute of Justice and Reconciliation. It's uh, five seconds away from being 35 minutes past 11 o'clock. You're still with me, Benjamin Mushatama right here on African Dialogue. Remember, we want to hear your views, so do stay interacting with us. Remember, our WhatsApp number is plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven. What do you think of this story? Another way you can give us your thoughts is by emailing us at info at channelafrica.org. When we come back, we're going to look at the politicizing of this particular commission. I know that what was central and people kept on emphasizing this as if the evidence that he was going to bring forward was tantamount was uh, Nelson Chamisa's testament kept on being emphasized and also another interesting moment was when we saw uh, ZANU PF legislature Shedrick Mashayombe who was actually bowling out his eyes at in front of this commission claiming that the ruling party is victimizing him uh, for his close relations with Robert Mugabe things that had nothing to do with this commission started to become central to it and I was like what is actually going Going on here with this particular commission. Let's take a quick break and then we'll wrap up the discussion with our guests after this. Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self emancipation, human rights, and democracy, listen to Humanity Women in Unity an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gonez-Malka, every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements. The voice of the African Renaissance, from an African perspective. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. 
Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Well, uh, let us uh, wrap up uh, this uh, conversation right here on African Dialogue. Remember, you with me, Benjamin Mushatam. And around 11.45 Central African time, we'll get our business news. And thereafter, we'll get our sports. So a lot is still coming up uh, midday. Uh, we still have uh, Africa Midday coming up. That's our uh, news program, which looks at the latest news happening in uh, the continent. Uh, so do stay tuned right here on Channel Africa. Well, let me... Uh, try sum up this conversation I'm having here. Very interesting insights coming from uh, two analysts in the SADC region. Dewa Mavinga, research at Human Rights Watch. Dr. Webster Zambara, who is a senior project leader at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation, leading the peace-building initiatives there. Dr. Zambara, as I highlighted before the break, and it's something that we've uh, spoken about uh, in, uh, in an elaborate way in this particular conversation. Uh, the politicizing of this particular commission was very interesting, especially how Chamisa started to being the central figure in terms of uh, uh, the, uh, the, the evidence uh, and also the fact that we saw uh, the likes of Shadrach Mashayombe speaking about their personal uh, Quabbles, squabbles, or their fights within uh, ZANU PF and uh, their closeness to Robert Mugabe, which had nothing to do with this particular inquiry. Why do you think that was the case? Was it because it was just right after the elections, or do you think that there's still a deeper political discourse around these particular killings? Yeah, uh, like I said at the beginning of uh, of this debate. Uh, this this commission became a new political arena for political battles in Zimbabwe to play out. And personally, I think it was wrong for for the commission to allow uh, it, it's it's the, the staging of uh, political grandstanding, which took a lot of time. I would I would think. And the occasional singing that would happen in the commission and the like. I think that that way, the commission allowed to be swayed and uh, lose focus on the key issues that were at the hand. It's important that we would do, listen to a lot of historical things and the like. But these are things that are well known in Zimbabwe, so we don't need the commissioner Mokande to be the one that goes back to be a historical lecture of what happened in Zimbabwe. This is where, this time, if it was used to give, to, to, to receive testimonies and to receive more evidence from victims and survivors, I think we could be having, uh, have had more deeper uh, and direct issues pertaining to what happened on the 1st of August. 
But then, not surprising because of polarization in Zimbabwe. And going back to, to the issue of uh, mistrust, I am a student of Professor Johan Gautung. He has got a very interesting saying. He says, uh, in a dictatorship, people do not believe their leaders, even if what they say may be correct. <laughs> and in a democracy, people tend to believe what their leaders say, even if what they say may be wrong. <laughs> and this is, this is where we are in Zimbabwe and most of Africa generally, yes. where our institutions uh, don't seem to be doing... We don't have the institutions anyway. They have been personalized, and uh, we, we are almost guessing in terms of what will happen in the future. And as for now, I would still insist that... Le- I wish I would read the findings of the mm. report and it will give us a better standing to mm. look back and say, aha, mm. this is where you missed, this mm. is where you are right. Well, Diwa, um, Dr. Zambara is uh, uh, really craving to get his hands on that particular report. In terms of going forward, we know that uh, we still have a pending uh, time period before the finalization of the full report. Uh, what your recommendations would be in terms of making sure that that process is sufficient enough? Well, well, what's important now is that in terms of the law, if we are to read the letter of the law, uh, President Mnangagwa has the authority to withhold or to make public the recommendations or the reports from the Commission. Uh, My advice and recommendation is that in the spirit of openness with which the Commission of Inquiry was established and with which it held its open and public hearings, it is critical that President Mnangagwa does not listen to advisors who are focused only on what the law says. And he goes on uh, to be open and to publish the report and its recommendations and to make everyone have access to that report and to act on those recommendations. This is what is important now to salvage the credibility of the Commission of Inquiry, the commissioners, and the entire process towards uh, you know, uh, healing uh, the uh, trust deficit and restoring confidence in the people of Zimbabwe, this commission of inquiry could be a key step for the people of Zimbabwe if it is handled correctly. And we hope that President Mnangagwa will do the right thing, not that which is legally correct only.